0: God has made a community where we are already known and loved by God. The greatest thing that we need, it's already met. And so we can begin to open ourselves up and say, hey, this is who I am, Mm. right? You're already headed to heaven. God has saved you. In what sense, what do you have to lose? It's okay. Everything that you need is secured in Christ. Well, welcome back
1: to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor and I'm here with Pastor Daniel. As we've been making our way through the Psalms, what Psalm did you preach this last Sunday for us? And what was the main point?
0: Yes, brother, it's been a joy to go through the Psalms with you. This past Sunday, we thought about Psalm 139, and it's a beautiful Psalm, a little bit longer, but it expresses really the desire of the human heart to be known and loved by another person. And Psalm 139 celebrates that truth that in Jesus Christ, we are fully known and we are truly loved by God. And this reality allows us to open ourselves up to God and also to others.
1: Mm, It's beautiful. So as we dive into this psalm, brother, is there any vivid imagery that jumps out from the text to help us see what it's really talking about?
0: Yes, this is one of those psalms that speaks about the greatness of God, and it has expressions of who God is. And these are what are sometimes called in theology the omnis. There's a couple of different ones. The first one is God's omniscience. He knows all things. Uh, Second, his omnipresence. God is everywhere present. He's here with us when we're having this conversation and here with you, listener. Uh, We also speak of his omnificence, which is his power to create us. And so these are truths about God that in this psalm, they're, they're causing David to marvel at who God is. The first one is he's marveling at God's knowledge of him. The psalmist opens up with the words, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Here, David is marveling at God's perfect knowledge of his life. He knows everything about him, the ordinary things, when he sits down, when he wakes up in the morning, all of those daily mundane actions God is intimately acquainted with. But David, I believe, is also reflecting upon how God knows him in his heart. He knows his words. He knows his past, even his sins. And God has looked upon David in this sympathetic love, ultimately because of the gospel of Christ and and the one who would come through David, the Lord Jesus, who would bring about blessing for David and for all who would trust in him. And so he marvels at God's knowledge of him that's rooted in God's love in Christ.
1: I believe you mentioned in the sermon that verse 5 highlights that when he says, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. And that illustration there of Hemian, I kind of looked that up. I was intrigued by that. And in the Old Testament, that's mostly used for soldiers when they would surround mm. a city to either lay siege to that city or to protect it from invaders. And so here, obviously, it's referring to the protection that God gives us, that God's protection surrounds us. It is all-encompassing. So that means that every direction there on the compass uh, around us, God is there to mm. ensure that nothing happens outside of his will for us. No random chaos or intruder gets past God's protection to us. What that means is, you know, when something does happen that is evil to us, it means that God has lit that through yeah. in his own divine purpose and providence. And that gives us a great reason to trust in God. As the Heidelberg Catechism says, He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this veil of tears. He's able to do this because He is almighty God, which this psalm is so much Mm. highlighting. And so we see that, but also his intimate care as a father. Heidelberg Catechism says he also desires to do this, to turn every evil into good because he's our faithful father. And that comes out in that phrase, you lay your hand upon me. And the term for hand there is palm, like a father resting his palm on the head of his son to bless and protect his son with care and intimacy. And that brought me to think about John 10, Where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so we see that, like you said in your sermon, this covenantal love, this protective, special care that God has for us because of Christ.
0: Yes, it's a beautiful word, brother, and that, that knowledge that God has of each and every one of his sheep, not just his church as a whole, but every precious sheep God knows in that intimate, covenantal way. And what a blessing. And David marvels at that, and he also marvels at God's presence with him. And in every season of life, he, he says that God has been with him. And he gives us a number of different escape routes um, where he tries to highlight in this Psalm how there's nowhere that we could actually flee from God. We can't go up or down to escape him. If he says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. Uh, We can't go east or west to escape God. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me. And also when it comes to evil, uh, overcoming us or hiding us from God, Uh, even there God will be with us. He says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. uh, Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. And David throughout the Psalm, you know, he speaks of dark seasons that he was in, right? Many of his earlier Psalms uh, highlight the trials of his heart, the questions that he has. And those sometimes arise out of persecution. Sometimes they arise out of David's own sin. But here he's reminding us that even in these dark seasons of life, the light of God's presence has always been there to guide him. And I think that's all something that we can relate to as Christians. We can remember maybe before Christ or even while we were followers of Christ, we fell into seasons of life where we were foolishly giving into sin, maybe trying to run from God maybe trying to, to hide from the Lord in different ways because we were sinning. But maybe we could remember how in those seasons as well, the light of God's presence was there convicting us, guiding us, protecting us, and keeping us ultimately in God's care. And I think that's part of what David is celebrating here, that there's no season of life, there's no place on this earth where God is not present with us to, to be that light for his children.
1: Mm. Such a good point. and you know, it reminds me that in this life, as God leads us forward, he's leading us through the dark valley. That is part of our journey to go through those places of darkness. It's easy to be overwhelmed by the darkness, but I love how David remembers here that the darkness is not dark to God. Mm. To God, the night is bright as the day, and the darkness is as light with him, which means that Even though we can't see the light and the warmth of God's presence with us in the darkness, that He is always there with us. And He's unfazed by the darkness. He's not overwhelmed by it. He's in control over the darkness. And if we belong to Him by faith, as you just said, He will always lead us through those dark valleys and to the light of His glory. And that reminds me of a passage in John 8 where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so as we follow Jesus, he is leading us Mm. to that light of life.
0: Amen. That's a good word, brother. And the last one that David meditates on that causes him to marvel is how God created him personally and intimately. This is what we call God's omnificence. It's often connected with God's omnipotence, which is a term that speaks of God being all-powerful. And here David in this psalm, he marvels at how God is powerful to create him. And he creates him perfectly, he creates him intimately and personally. David you know, exclaims as he thinks about God's creative hand, he says, I praise you, verse 14, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. And David is marveling how even when he was in the womb of his mother, uh, God was at work to make him just as he was. Uh, Even fashioning the days that David would live, even when he experienced none of them. You see God's sovereignty there, right? Even predestination, those terms that speak of God is the one in control of our life. He knows when we were born and he knows when we're going to die. And he has appointed all of our days and we can't add to them and we can't take away from them. David is just marveling too at that creative hand of God and we see there as Christians one thing that we often celebrate as well in being people who are people of life is that a child even in the womb of a mother at every stage is valuable and precious to God and given that value from God himself.
1: Yeah and it is astonishing right that when we think about the beginning of our own individual formation in the womb of our mothers I began as too microscopic Cells that are not visible to the eye. They came together, a tiny seed from my father and a tiny egg from my mother, and God brought them together and formed me with a personal knowledge of me. This is not a the God of deism who's aloof and away. No, this is a God who is intimately knowledgeable and connected with that which he is creating and especially his chosen beloved ones. Before that moment of conception, I did not exist, right? I was only the plan in the eternal mind of God. But he formed me and brought me into being. And it reminds me of how fragile I am as a creature. You know, I am but dust. But at the same time, it also reminds me the care and beauty that God has put into the design of each and every person made in the image of God. And that is a beautiful, astonishing thing to consider. And as we marvel at the omnificence of God so brother as we consider this text how has it been renewing and reshaping your own heart
0: yes you know that longing of the human heart to be known and loved by another person that's in my heart I think it's in every person's heart and this psalm reminds me that that desire to be known and loved while we want that from other people we first and foremost need that that deep longing to be met in God Right? Our hearts are restless, as Augustine said, until they find their rest in the Lord. The psalm is inviting me and reminding me and comforting me to say every day to find that, that value that I have in God who knows me, who knows this day that I'm experiencing, and who has set his love upon me in Christ. And so that comforts me to know that I can live before the Lord and before others from that firm foundation that I'm already accepted and loved in Christ. Uh, even though God knows my sin and my struggles that I have to daily repent of and look to Christ for, God has set his love upon me. And so it makes me want to draw near to God when I read a psalm like this because you see that sympathetic nature that God has towards his children. You see his security. You see his personal care and love. It invites me to want to draw near to God because I see his fatherly care for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, and makes me think, you know, one of the reasons why... We're afraid to approach another person and open up our heart and reveal our struggles, difficulties, is because we're afraid that by opening up our heart and letting them know who we really are, you know, some of the the darker things about us that we're struggling with that maybe they won't love us. Mm -hmm. But here we find in this psalm that God already knows everything, the very worst things about us, even things that we ourselves might deny or not acknowledge, and yet he still loves us. And so we can go to him, trusting that he has that fatherly care for us. He already knows, just take it to him, right? That's right. And that is comforting. And what ways, brother, is this passage correcting you?
0: Yes, at the end of this Psalm, David uh, prays, "'Search me, O God, and know my heart. "'Try me and know my thoughts, "'and see if there be any grievous way in me, "'and lead me in the way everlasting.'" And I love the ending, but it's also a challenging ending because it reminds me that there's still work to be done in my own heart, right? There's still sin buried in there. There's still ways in which I'm hiding from God and hiding from people. And this ending is a correction because God is calling me through the scriptures to invite him to continue that heart surgery on my own heart Uh, that I can invite God to come into my life with his holy scalpel and cut away those sinful things that are still in me to search my own heart and my thoughts in order to make me more like Christ. God is the great vine dresser. He's the one who prunes his church and he prunes us. And this is part of the means that he uses when we come to him in prayer and we ask God to do that work in us. And so that's what David is, is praying for. And that's what I'm challenged to do as well.
1: It reminds me a few weeks back when you're preaching through the Heidelberg Catechism in the evening on the father's discipline of his children, that it says there in Hebrews 12 that it's never something pleasing, right? It's mm. not something that, uh, that feels good. The pruning, it, it hurts, you know, it's a, a bit of a dying to the self. So this searching of the heart, it reminds me of... Um, A colonoscopy, right? So it's not something that any of us wants to go get done or have the doctor do for us. It's not comfortable. I haven't had one myself, but I'm afraid of that in the future.
0: I've heard the stories too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: But it is important, right? Why? Well, if there is something evil growing inside our bodies, like a cancerous tumor, well, we want to find that out, right? We want the doctor to Find that and then take it out, either by surgery or by some kind of treatment. And so I need to have the humility to ask God to do that. And the starting disposition that we need is, okay, I admit, I recognize that I probably have some evil still inside of me that is destructive. I still have sin. There is probably an idol tucked away in some crevice of my heart somewhere. And Lord, I want you to find that and take it out. Help me deal with it. And it reminds me of 1 John where he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so let's not deceive ourselves. This psalm is telling us, don't deceive yourself. You know, we all have faults and sinful habits that we all need to work on, but we won't work on them until we notice them, until we find them out. You know, when we ask God to search out our hearts, we're not asking Him to find something that he doesn't know about already. He knows about it already. We're asking him to help us see that more clearly so that we can then give that up to God and ask for his grace to help us work it out of our heart. You know, how does this play out, Pastor Daniel, in the life of the church? When we ask God to search out our hearts, see if there's any grievous way within us, what does that look like practically?
0: And it's a beautiful thing if you think about a church community that is collectively praying a prayer like this right when we are individually coming before God with this heart we're we're more likely to be able to talk to our brother and our sister and, and invite them to search us as well mm-hmm. hey brother or sister like you know maybe you see some things in me that I don't see in myself right it's like sometimes you got some food caught in your teeth or you got some cream cheese <laughs> on the side of your mouth and and your brother has to say hey you got something in your teeth or in your mouth right we don't see it and we need that even with our, our sin or with our struggles, maybe how we're coming across in different ways. And this is something that helps to build a culture in your church where people are open. They don't have to hide in their shame because together we know that we are dirty, but we have been covered in the righteousness of Christ, beloved uh, of the Lord. And so now we can open ourselves up not only to God, but one another and say together we need Christ. We need to, to be searched and we can begin to share to asks for prayers that are not just generic prayers. Pray for me in general, but hey, pray for my marriage that is struggling right now. I'm having a terrible time raising my kids. Please help me with that. I'm overwhelmed at work. I'm te- I'm tempted to sexual temptation or to greed or to covetousness. You know, in this particular area, this is what it looks like. Pray that the Spirit would would search me, reveal it, and that I would be able to turn away from it. So we'd be able to to begin to share with each other. Uh, when we take to heart this truth that we are already known and loved by God.
1: That's great. It reminds me of this time when uh, some years ago I met up with two of my closest friends and part of our goal or intention of our meeting together and spending some time together was that we were going to encourage one another and first say where we see evidence of God's grace growing us and maturing us and in that way building each other up But also at the same time, we were going to ask and kind of be vulnerable and say to one another, okay, we know that we love each other here, but also I want to hear from you guys where you think I need to grow. You know, is there anything that's grievous within me that I need to be working on that I might not be fully aware of? And we shared those things, we encouraged one another, and then we prayed together. And so finding that time with others that you can trust and love in the life of the church, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. So brother, as we continue talking about, you know, the practical aspects of the psalm, are there other practical takeaways for different kinds of people in our congregation?
0: Yes, you know, sometimes as Christians, we could find ourselves kind of on the outside and maybe even strained from God at different points in our life. And uh, this psalm reminds us, right, that we can't outrun the Lord. David speaks about that and you might think of the Bible and people like Jonah who tried to run away from the call of God, run away from the responsibility that God Mm -hmm. was placed upon his life Mm -hmm. and try to take a different route. And David says, even in this Psalm, that we can't do that. God seeks us out. And so this is a Psalm that that calls us back to the Lord and to the community of faith. And that's just a comfort for us that in all of the days that God has appointed for us, uh, his goodness and his mercy continue to chase after us and keep us until the day he brings us home as we think of maybe covenant children could be reminded in a psalm like this that God knows his children in every season of their life he doesn't wait till they're much older and maybe make a profession of faith or know the catechism super well before he enters into some personal communion with them Uh, but God is a God to us and to our children and he made us and he has welcomed us to himself and even held out his blessing to us in the ways that this psalm is speaking of children you could be reminded as well that that god made you as a beloved child exactly how you are right you're not an accident in any way and who you are and your personality your gifts and even your limitations that was all given to you by god and that's important because we live in a world that can be very confusing when it comes to this question of identity and who I am. And this Psalm reminds you children, reminds all of us that, that God made us just the way that we are and he doesn't make any accidents and he doesn't make any junk. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by the God who loves you and who sent his son to die for people just like you.
1: And that's such an encouraging word for all of us, but especially children, you know, today in our culture, the pressure that the world puts upon children is that they have to create themselves, Mm. that they have to form their own identity and value in the world. And that's a burdensome task that God did not design for us. Rather, we find here in this psalm that God wants us to acknowledge that he has created us in this beautiful, wonderful way. And wisdom would have us recognize how God has created us who he created us to be, and how he knows us, and to live in that reality versus trying to uh, go off on our own and create our own identity and our own value—it's a burden that God never designed for us to carry. That's right. Um, that's a good word for uh, the children, Pastor Daniel. What about the church in general? Are there any other practical takeaways?
0: Yes, you know, just in different settings that that God has set up in the church, whether they be you know Bible studies or fellowship groups or for those who are married in our congregation, you know, in all of these different settings, even, you know, Christian friendships, to take to heart this Psalm and this principle that God wants us to live in the joy of knowing one another and loving one another, right? And so in those settings, we don't want to just stay on the surface. God wants us to be growing in knowledge of each other and in deep love. And that deep love flows from knowing one another You know, think about in marriage, if a spouse never opens up to their spouse about how they're feeling or how they're doing or what they're struggling with, and they just always say things are okay, and they just keep a stiff upper lip, they just pretend everything's all right, there's no real intimacy there, right? You need to open yourself up. You need to give yourself to another person, and God has created a church, and he's made a community where, again, we are already known and loved by God. The greatest thing that we need, it's already met. And so we can begin to open ourselves up in this safe context and say, hey, this is who I am, mm. right? You're already headed to heaven. Mm. God, is, God has saved you. Has given you an identity. You're already secure. You know, in one sense, what do you have to lose? It's okay. Everything that you need is secured in Christ. And so we're to give ourselves to another person in that way, uh, trusting God will use that and uh, make us more like Christ.
1: One practical piece of advice here is we could ask the question when we come to meet one another for coffee or what are the joys and burdens currently upon your heart? Good. You know, with that kind of question, we immediately go into the deep end. Then take the gospel and apply it to that person's heart, to encourage them, to comfort them with the words of promises in God's word, that their sins are forgiven, that God is with them. You know, all the promises and realities that we're talking about here in this Psalm. And in that way, loving one another and building one another up in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now brother, also as we are a cross-cultural church, what in this passage calls us to love those who are different from us culturally?
0: Well in this psalm we're marveling at who God is and how he knows us and loves us and as we think about who God is we're reminded in places like Ephesians 5 1 as beloved children of God we're to be imitators of him and you think about how completely different God is from us he's different from us in his very being that he's different from us ethically and morally he, he doesn't have any sin right he is light Uh, yet God willingly condescends to us, meaning he stoops down to people who are very different from us in order to bestow upon us his love and his care. And he does that ultimately in Christ. He crosses that great barrier between the creator and creation coming into our very existence in time to not only know us and to show us that knowledge, but to bestow upon us his covenant love uh, to send Jesus to the cross for us to bear all of our sin and all of our shame. And so, we are to imitate that as we reach out to people who are different from us, right? And people are different from us in so many different ways, different seasons of life, right? Different generations, different cultural backgrounds, different level of income, right? Different tastes and what they enjoy. And we're to take that time as a church to get to know deeply other people, especially those who are different from us. And then to show real Christian love, And that real Christian love even means sometimes we love people who sometimes rub us the wrong way as we get to know them more and even their quirks and even the ways that maybe we don't see eye to eye to them on all these other peripheral issues. Remember, there are brothers and sisters in Christ and real Christian love happens when it's difficult to love certain people.
1: That's a good word. And as you're talking about that, Pastor Daniel, it reminds me of the unique experience I had back in college when I did a six months of being an exchange student down in mexico city Uh, and just entering into another culture trying to live like the people there the ways of transportation talk and learning their language and different aspects of their culture their food eating with them talking with them getting to know them i found welling up in my heart love for my neighbors there in that place that i didn't have prior going into Mm -hmm. it And it came by getting to know them in a very personal, intimate way. And we think, like you just said, that that's what God has done for us in the gospel. He crossed that border from glory into the misery and shame of our world, taking on human flesh in order to get to know us on an experiential level. Mm -hmm. And he has so loved us in that way. And like you said, we are to be imitators of God. Mm And we can do that even here in our place, in Mm -hmm. the city of Ontario, getting to know our neighbors who are different from us in those ways and growing in love for them in that process. Pastor Daniel, in what ways does this text also give us a bigger and better understanding of who Jesus is?
0: Yeah, we're hitting on that already and recognizing how far God was willing to go to show us uh, that love and that care. And he sent Jesus to take upon our flesh, to know our very humanity in that experiential way as the one who is both God and man, and to ultimately go to the cross for us to bear all of our sin, all of the things that God knew about. He sent Jesus to come and die for our sins in the past, present, and future. And when we think about the darkness and we think about evil, only Jesus has experienced that darkness of the wrath of God upon him. The darkness of separation from God when the powers of evil conspired against him, yet he overcame them, he put them to open shame at the cross, triumphing over them. And that gives us great comfort even now because our Lord is ascended and he is with us in every season of life. And this gives us a, a big view of him because we see not only how far he went to know us and to love us, but we see his constant. Care. As you mentioned earlier, He's that good shepherd who keeps us in His hand, and He reminds us that He is with us even to the very end of the age. So, as we think about the knowledge of God, the presence of God, the personal care of God, it leads us to marvel at the gospel of Jesus and how those things are supremely seen in Him.
1: As we've been talking about this, what passage might we commit to memory here?
0: Yes. You know, one passage I would recommend is one I read earlier. It's the very last portion of the Psalm. But this is one that we could pray. And maybe I invite you listener to even just take a moment after this podcast and, and pray these words of David where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And again, God invites us to pray that vulnerable prayer because we are already known and fully loved by him.
1: Well, that's a good word to finish on, brother. so encouraging uh, to remember that we are fully known and fully loved, even as we ask God to search our hearts. We hope, beloved, as you've been listening, that this has been an encouragement to you, and we look forward to coming back and bringing you another musing on God's word next week.